This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology culture and the digital age. This is episode number one. I am Joe Darnell. And I am Joshua Pfeiffer. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Joshua. Welcome to the show. Me, you, and our guest. Yeah, Mr. Robert McGinley Myers. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. No problem. You are known best for all things anxious machine. I have thoroughly enjoyed your screencasts, your great articles on the sweet setup. I don't know where else I may have read about you or read your content besides Twitter, but anything with Mick Myers on it is a pretty good read. Well, thank you. It's been fun getting into the technology world. I've only been writing for about a year and a half now, I guess coming up on two years. Well, I keep it up because I, I think you've got a lot more left in you. And then there, and on top of it, you have the Anxious Machine podcast, where you are up to what, about episode six or seven, maybe maybe more? Actually, I just recently released my 12th episode, although I sort of feel like the second half of those 12 are where I really figured out what I was doing. I actually started in radio. One of my first jobs out of graduate school was in public radio, and that's what I did for a while. And then I left that and went into teaching writing and then started uh, writing this blog and then realized that all these people were making podcasts and I knew how to make radio. So I decided to go back into that. And those first six episodes were sort of like me figuring out how to do it again. And then now I feel like I've really hit my stride with it. And it's what you should be known for because it's a very good podcast. I would listen to it all day long and I've had it in my queue. I'm subscribed in Overcast and in the podcast app just for better measure. And I wanted to also talk a little bit about me and myself and my host to just uh, introduce everybody to us here on episode one. Joshua Pfeiffer, you are my co-host. I sure am. That's right. Now, uh, can you tell us about yourself? <laughs> Who is Joshua Pfeiffer? You just tasked me to write a bio, so I would just uh, encourage everyone to go to our site. What is our site again? Tectonic.fm? That's right. And you can read all about me for like four or five sentences. <laughs> uh, basically, I'm an uh, uh, engineer by day, uh, husband of one, father of six, enjoying computerish stuff for the last couple decades and when you say that you are the father of six it is important that you mention you are the husband of one yes i, I think i said that did i not yeah you did I'm, I'm just saying that that's good yeah okay all right that clarification will help the audience i was gonna i was gonna say husband of six and, it, and i caught myself so yeah yeah we're, we, we don't we don't go there <laughs> not here in the south yeah sometimes i you know like to joke with my wife but she does not appreciate that joke. But. <laughs> <laughs> now, the way I know you is through some of our mutual friends on the web and in person. Yep. It was uh, web developer Jacob Lamont who pointed me to you. And if he wants his name retracted from this episode, <laughs> I will retract it. But for the time being, I'm leaving it in there. He likes his privacy. And I'm kind of teasing him about his privacy, but he, he doesn't go by his own name on Twitter. And he doesn't go by his own profile image on Twitter. So it's practically impossible to know who Jacob Lamont is on the internet. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, I know. I know. On, I know on Facebook, at least he has a, a black, it's just all black, you know, so it's, that's kind of creepy. But. Yeah. And he's a cat on Twitter and that doesn't help. A cat. Nice. I don't, I don't think I, I don't actually, I don't think we're Twitter friends or, or what, what do you, what do you call a Twitter person? I'm new to Twitter. I'll admit it. I know I'm supposed to be this tech co-host guy, but you're more of the, you're more of the geek in real life, not the geek in the digital world. <laughs> you're, you're using your hardware more than we are. And I, I'm just using the software more than the average person. 
I'll cover the software. You can cover the hardware. So, so what, what do you, what do you, what do you call a Twitter acquaintance, a twit, twitite or a twit? Rob, I think that we would agree. We just call them people <laughs> unless they're robots, unless, unless you're talking about the bots <laughs> who like everything and retweet everything and link to everything. Yeah. It's always creepy when you get followed by a bot. Because you're like, oh, I got a new follower. And then, oh, it's a robot. <laughs> and I actually know of services online where people will pay to have thousands of bots follow them. It's disgusting. Yeah, it makes you look more important. <laughs> but it, in reality, it just makes you sad. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what, what is that service again? Do you have a URL? Uh, you know, it's escaping my memory. <laughs> I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Fair enough. I'm sure we can put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> it will mark that link. Do not go to here. <laughs> Well, um, I'm a graphic designer, but I've been using Macintosh computers since 1993. I have thoroughly enjoyed the Apple products. I didn't know anything about computers as a child except my neighbors who were uh, from Cambodia. They got into PCs at a very early age. Their dad gave them several computers, and I got to see MS-DOS at an early age. I was mesmerized by some of the prehistoric 8-bit video games that they were playing on their PC computer. Right. That was entertaining back in the day. Doing all those moves with the, the keyboard instead of a controller or a mouse or a joystick like we used to. Use flight simulators from the keyboard like animals. <laughs> and then I, I just uh, started making home movies on iMovie and using Photoshop around 1996. I got inspired by watching the Toy Story film and uh, subsequent documentaries behind the scenes talking about Pixar. And I couldn't get enough of graphic design, so I went ho-hog into that. And then I didn't learn more about Apple, really, until around 2006 when I picked up the biography called Icon, which was about Steve's, the first chapter of his life, you know, uh, leading up to the time that he had returned to Apple and had the success of the original iMac. And then pretty much ever since... I've wanted to talk about technology with people. So this show has been a long time coming. It wasn't for a few more years before we had podcasts and I didn't know what to do with them. Then YouTube hit the scene and I thought perhaps I would get into the video content and I much rather just use my voice, get uh, writing on the web, talking about technology and trying to add to the conversation because I think that's something that is sorely lost guys is people are really not thinking too much about what they do with their technology. And this is something that has truly inspired me about your work, Rob, that you're always asking the right questions. You're raising the right debates. You have a keen insight into the, the human condition and what we're doing with the technology. So on anxiousmachine.com, you talk about the psychology going on, how people are reacting to the, their devices on a human level, for good or for bad, and how it could change whole cultures. Now, this show has been in, inspired by your content and the good work of many others. What we see in podcast land, I'm sorry for using that term, <laughs> but, it, but if we can say what we're thinking freely, I noticed that a lot of the, the pundits, the experts, the professional writers – and the other good voices in podcasting, when they discuss technology, they're aware of the fact that anything that they do with their technology is going to be interpreted by others, and that sends a negative or a positive image about them. What, what do you mean by that? i got to slow you down. What, what do you mean? When you use Twitter and whatever you talk about on Twitter, if you're a geek and at the same time you talk about your privileges using technology, 
somebody is bound to come after you and make a snide statement about how you're, you're privileged sure. to be using the, the technology. You need to get over yourself. And then you go over to Facebook and somebody is complaining about their technology rather than, you know, boasting about what they can do. And then somebody else will attack you and say, again, you're so privileged. Or they'll just say, you don't remember what it was like in the old days. <laughs> but I, I see it from every direction. It seems like some people are really burdened because of the cynicism that is pervasive. And then other people are just wasting away their resources and what they could do with a good microphone, with some good programs, uh, good developer tools, with Photoshop, you know, the ability now we have to write books, to get educated, to use resources like lenda.com, truly become smarter people. I, I would like to inspire people with the show Tectonic to make a better use of what they can do with technology and, and stop asking the wrong questions. We need to focus on making the world, the culture, a better product. But I, I mean that sincerely. I'm, we underutilize these gifts. That is why I wanted to discuss this with you, Rob. Your show kind of explores this topic from different angles, and you're not always concerned with the same matters because you're dealing with different people's life stories. Well, it's interesting because I think what you're what you're talking about there. I mean, you're talking about this question of if people get frustrated with technology, they get attacked because really they should just feel privileged about the technology that they have. And so they shouldn't complain about it. Whereas the kind of the issue that I saw as kind of the defining issue of my blog and now my podcast is that I feel like technology has this strange dual nature in that people see it as very exciting and providing a lots of power, you know, that it's going to give us all these magical abilities to do these things that we've never been able to do before. And so that's all very exciting. The other side of the coin is that we then feel very nervous about it and feel like maybe it's a terrible thing and that maybe it's going to, like, we all want robots, but the robots are going to kill us. Yeah. The, the subject of every sci-fi movie is sort of like, we've, we've learned too much and now it's going to destroy us. And um, I'm fascinated by that simultaneous... Uh, sort of desire for technology and fear of technology. And I feel like most people experience both of those things. I mean, I know that I, I experience that when I, whenever I use my, my iPhone, I feel ex extremely excited about all the things that it can do, but then I also feel like it also distracts me and kind of wastes my time. And that's sort of what I'm trying to explore in, in all of my work is, kind of what what is the power of technology and how does it affect us, but also why do we hate it at the same time? Mm. The thing about technology is really that it's the, uh, the culmination of everything that we have right in front of us. To do the show, I'm using external hard drives. I'm using thousands of dollars worth of software. We, we were talking about the peripherals before we started the show, and I, I, I'm obsessive because... Uh, hey, I've got a trackpad and two mice, but I use them all for different reasons because I have RSI issues. And one of them is better for my, for my professional work in graphic design. And if we can cut through the minutia, cut through the noise on the internet and get to the, the heart of what technology is, it's, these are not necessarily luxuries. These are all pr very practical tools. I'm using these mice to help me communicate with the world and perform a job. It is how I make a living. This boring mouse that glows and, 
you know, clicks at me. It's actually serving a very practical purpose. And if I focus in on, well, you know, you didn't need that $60 mouse. You should have been happy with a $20 mouse. I think we're talking about the wrong things. We're dwelling on the wrong values. We can get something else out of our technology. Let's help each other. We're distracted by all the noise that we're introducing in all the platforms, all the websites, all the tools, all the gadgets. We have too many options and people start to question whether or not any of these tools will do us any good. Like you were saying, Rob, if we have our own robots to do our, all of our bidding, some people will feel guilty for having that ability because some people will think of it as a luxury while other people would look at it as a necessity. And I think that we have to find the middle ground benefit, but also give something back to the world because when the robots arrive, I hope that we're not all eating grapes on the couch and letting them take care of our lives for us and, you know, put food on the table. Uh, the, the technology so often is, is presenting a means to entertainment and making amusement for us and not actually making us more productive people in society. I think it goes a little deeper to, I guess, what I would call the, the self-government of the individual, the, the individual's ethic and what, what they really are as a person. I look at technology purely as a, an amoral tool. You know, if someone's going to be a, a complete degenerate and, you know, take government welfare and, and watch pornography all day on the Internet, that's certainly a possibility right now in our culture. They can certainly use that for completely degenerate means. And then the other end of the spectrum, you know, there, there are obviously very productive, very creative, very entrepreneurial individuals who uh, take technology and, and increase it for the betterment of humanity. And so I think all of us follow so, so somewhere on that spectrum. And we're all there too. We're, we're not special. Me, Rob, and Joshua here. I mean, maybe y'all guys are special, but I know I'm not. <laughs> I wrestle with these problems every day. Getting the sort of above ground and above the foundation of these things, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the proper purpose that we want to use technology for in our own lives. If y'all just give me a second, though, I wanted to thank this episode's sponsor before we continue. Our sponsor this week is Thrasher Coffee. I really appreciate them reaching out and making this show possible for this episode. Thrasher Coffee is a craft roaster from the South. They're brilliant coffee specialists, and they roast whole beans to order and ship them to your home and the office. You'll always have a very fresh cup of coffee from anything at Thrasher Coffee. I was on the team when they got started back in, uh, I think it was January last year, and they officially launched their business publicly on April the 24th, 2014. One of the many pleasures of working with them in the design process, helping them with their website and their logo art and, and their packaging was that we had an unlimited supply of exotic coffees right there in the office. And I was working alongside of their own coffee rooster. We do a podcast together. You know, flash forward to today, and Thrasher is selling now four roasts, and they have the Homestead Medium Roast, the Pioneer Medium Dark, the Prospect Dark Roast, and the Medium Dark Liberty Blend. My favorites are the Pioneer and the Liberty Blend because I like the balance between medium and dark that these two roasts produce. They're, they just present great bold flavors before they get charred, and they're not so weak that they seem citrusy and acidic. And you really can't go wrong with any of the four. I suggest that you try them all out if you're interested in Thrasher Coffee and you know, ordering a coffee subscription over the internet and see what suits your tastes. 
you can order Whole Bean Thrasher Coffee by the pound or join a subscription and have it sent automatically every two or four weeks. If you want to switch roasts on your subscription from time to time, you can always just log into your account and change that up. And Tectonic listeners get 10% off of their purchase with coupon code DIGITALWORLD at checkout. Thrasher Coffee Roast responsibly harvested beans and supply premium fresh small batch coffee to their discerning customers at an affordable price. So thank you, Thrasher Coffee, for supporting Tectonic, which is this podcast and the website. So yeah, before I sign off on this whole podcast thing, you're going to have to send me some of that so that I know that you know we're getting sponsored by decent sponsors. That's right. I don't want our I don't want our listeners to, to you know you know, you get what I'm saying here. Before episode two, Joshua, I'll make sure that you have a bag of their coffee. <laughs> no problem. Excellent. That's that's all I was going for. Thank you, <laughs> Rob. What do you do for coffee? Oh, I well, I I use uh, an AeroPress, but I buy cheap coffee for it. I just get uh, kind of a, a generic French roast from Whole Foods that I use, so it's nothing fancy. I've had that. Uh, one of my friends, he, he gave me some for Christmas. Yeah, don't be shy about it. The AeroPress goes a long way. Yeah. I drink so much coffee that if it was fancy coffee, I'd go broke. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably have two a day. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of a Keurig guy simply for convenience and cost. And uh, it, it's an eight out of 10, but you know. So Rob and Joshua, w- would one of you start with what kind of technology y'all use day in and day out and what practical purposes you see that it is meeting and helping you professionally and personally and why you enjoy it? Can you describe that? Do you want to go first, Josh? Uh, sure. Um, so, at a, you know, uh, I guess I should have given a little bit more background but I, uh, on myself, but I guess I can fill it in as the as the episodes go go by. But so, I, I you know, I, I started out sort of on the Apple platform back in the early 90s and little old Apple II or something. I can't even remember what it was. It had the old five and a quarter inch floppy disks. Uh but my first real computer was a was a Windows based uh, PC. It was a Windows nine uh, three point one and DOS and all that jazz. So I was a Windows guy uh, for about a decade, ninety four to about two thousand five. And of course, I have to use Windows at work in engineering. And it just got to the point where it was just such a frustration to deal with that platform that uh, you know my eyes were reopened to the Mac world. And and so at home, I'm I'm exclusively. Uh, Apple. Uh, it's just because it, it's just such a pleasure to use in comparison. Picking up the iPhone during the day is uh, uh, just a kind of a breath of fresh air, you know, and I would probably just sound like a average fanboy, but I, I don't think I am. <laughs> I, I, the, the comparison is just night and day. Well, you've, you've lived the problem out because most of us fanboys, we've just been using Macs so long that we don't remember the horrors of the PC. Yeah. You know, I, well, I went, I went through college for, uh, in, from 98 to 2002. And so that was the, you know, I, I used the Windows 98 uh, second edition and Windows Millennium and all of these pro- operating systems that I lost so much work, <laughs> you know, working on homework that I will never forget the pain <laughs> ever. I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like the, the grandparents that lived through the depression, like back when I was young, I used to have to do my homework three times because my computer kept crashing. <laughs> it really was terrible. <laughs> It really was. And so, yeah, it's been really neat to watch the just the overall development and the stability and the speed of just basic operating systems and, and software. So so you you would maybe read some audio or, sorry, read some books, uh, read some websites, maybe RSS feeds or 
Yeah, do you check out audiobooks that much? Or? You know, I used to do audiobooks. I just I haven't uh, for a while, but uh, but yeah, I certainly have done that as well. I think we go in and out of seasons of life where we want to use focus on one particular kind of app and uh, make full use of it. You know, so, so for a while there, I was using the heck out of Lynda.com. Right. And then before that, I was using some other online tutorial uh, sets from Ripple Training. And these days, I'm doing very little in the way of tutorials and cor- online courses. I've been indulging a lot with podcasts. That You know, that sounds really geeky, because it is. But I'm checking out a wide variety of different shows. Adding some diversity can go a long way. So I'm getting all, all different kinds of personalities talking about different subject matters throughout you know, all of our areas of life. I'm hearing about history, uh, technology, politics, the arts. You can get a lot with just a very little. And and believe it or not, it's all free. That's what the sponsors are for, right? Right. And I'm fascinated as well with with the amount of stuff out there, especially in the training area, the education. I mean, that's a huge uh, interest of mine, not only for myself, but for for, uh, my children. You know, we're we're homeschooling them. And so just the the availability of stuff out there is is overwhelming. And the fact that most of it is free or next to free uh, I mean, really, all the information in the world is in our pockets. And, and, and for me, that's just really incredible. I mean, it just, if you think about the history of mankind, I mean, it's, we've never seen anything like it. Never. It's the everyday things that technology is serving to us now. It's, it's not like we're getting excited about the latest pop culture star. You know, we're not on Twitter talking with celebrities. We're just using it to keep track of our recipes and the classic rock music that we listen to when we just want to relax in the evening. We recently, my wife really wanted to have an old-fashioned record player, so she got one, and we got some we got some classic records on it. Does it take Does it take airplay? I mean, can you just nope, nothing, nothing fancy, oh, wow. nothing at all. <laughs> it's it, it's a, a completely different direction. It's very hipster, but it's it's also enjoyable to to reflect on where we've come from, and I'm still uh, using audio every day to add to a variety of different playlists and listen to music from more artists, but for a completely different reason. I enjoy the technology of that, you know, turntable in our our family room. So, and how about you, Rob? Well, it's interesting. I think I became a technology uh, geek um, to a certain extent because I became a teacher. I mean, I'd been working in public radio and most the the machines that I used at, at my office were Windows machines. And I did have a Mac. I had a MacBook at the time, but I wasn't using it that much because I was so... I would come home from work and not use my computer much at all. I guess I used it a little bit to make my own radio documentaries at the time, but um, I wasn't doing anything fancy. And then when I became a teacher, I found that I was really good in the classroom, but I hated the paperwork. I found the paperwork incredibly uh, overwhelming. And so I started to look into ways to make that easier. And I started finding things like, you know, just ways of having a paperless workflow as soon as the iPad came out, I very quickly learned how to scan things into uh, digital formats so that I could grade papers on my iPad instead of on paper. Excellent. I also, you know, uh, when I first started teaching, I would actually, it, in order to have notes on the kind of on the projection screen, I would just open up a Word document and type things into it for my students to kind of take notes from. Mm. The idea of using something like PowerPoint was completely anathema to me. But then I read an article about the way that people like um, 
Lawrence Lessig, the uh, the law professor at Harvard, uses uh, Keynote for his uh, presentations. And I was like, oh, you know, like, uh, and, and even Steve Jobs, like the way that he would use slides in his presentations. And I was like, oh, you can use it in an artful way. And so then I learned how to use Keynote and I learned how to make um, pretty uh, engaging, you know, slide decks and stuff like that. And so it, a lot of my introduction to using that kind of stuff came through teaching because I needed to use it to do things that I'd never been good at using paper. I'd, I've never enjoyed writing on um, like with handwriting. Like my, my second grade teacher told me that I had the worst handwriting she'd ever seen. And so I've always sort of <laughs> avoided writing anything by hand. So I didn't want to write on, oh, yeah. write on the board. I didn't want to write on my students' papers. And so I found all these digital ways to kind of take over that. And that kind of got me interested in using all this technology. How did your students respond to the technology that you were using in the early days? My students really like the way that I use PowerPoint. I mean, I call it PowerPoint because that's sort of the the generic term. That's what we call it. Right, exactly. But um, they're often surprised at how I use it because they're used to other teachers using it in kind of the traditional awful way with tons of bullet points and lots of text filling up the screen. And so when I have like a picture on the screen, sometimes my students are like, how am I supposed to take notes on a picture? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't the Microsoft clip art. You're not talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's like, I've grabbed <laughs> something from Google images or from Flickr or whatever at, to illustrate an idea. And they'll be like, uh, what, what, what is this? <laughs> and I'm like, the point of this is that we're, I'm introducing you to an idea. Like think about it. Don't just, I mean, it kind of throws them off a little bit, but I've actually heard, I heard a talk, I can't remember who it was, but he was a guest on Mac Power Users, and he's an expert in giving presentations and using Keynote, And but he's also a psychologist, and he said that one of the things that makes an effective presentation is if you make your audience feel a little bit anxious, like they don't know what's going to happen next, they tend to pay more attention. And so I like to throw things into my presentations that are kind of surprising so that people kind of sit up and mm. pay attention. That's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what Joe's going to ask next. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was episode 111, maybe where they were talking with Les Posen. He joined Kitty and uh, David on the Mac power users and talked about presentations. Yes. So we'll have a couple of links to their, their different discussions because it's really good material. And it's, it's interesting how they've applied it in different scenarios where you have David and Katie using them in the courtroom and also in the boardroom. And in my life, we were using them for educational resources a few years ago when I was working for a uh, small uh, nonprofit educational book publisher. They also had some video lecture courses from conferences and they had guest speakers come out to special events. Well, that would happen once or twice a year and several educators would get together and they would have these video lectures for students and for teachers. We would record these videos and in post-production, they would want me to take their PowerPoints and transform them into something legible and interesting for a DVD copy presentation of uh, their original talks. Uh, basically, as a designer, to recreate them in Keynote. And then I would have to uh, insert them into the video content as need be throughout their talking head videos. Hmm. Then master them for DVD in DVD Studio Pro. And eventually that would become a viable, shippable product. 
and that was the kind of thing I was using technology for many years ago, started using Photoshop in the mid-90s. And, and one thing led to another, that interest, that hobby, eventually led to a, a real paying gig. So when I got married, the only way I was able, to, we were able to financially <laughs> pull it off was all thanks to using iMovie and Final Cut Studio back in the old days, just goofing off with my brothers and making videos, you know, of friends and family, whether they were concert videos and, you know, making graphics in Photoshop for those concert videos and weddings and such. And I really enjoyed my job, but sometimes tedious, but it was always creative, sometimes using Keynote, sometimes not. Then eventually I was working in broadcasting, but not like you were, Rob. I was uh, the call taker for a, a live broadcast radio program that, that was all over the country. So you were screening calls? Yes. And what, did you get any crazy people calling in? Oh, yeah. We got some, <laughs> we got some fun ones. The host of that program was talking about uh, current events and politics, it, basically pushing all the people's buttons. <laughs> I don't want to talk about who he was, but let's just say that he was pretty well known. Huh. It, was, it was interesting, the kind of callers we got. And having to uh, use my brain in ways that I didn't think were humanly possible because I would have to listen to the talk show host in w from one ear, take the caller with my headphones, headset with the other, and be mindful of the switchboard and who was on which line. Also typing out notes on an old Toshiba laptop that should have been retired so that the, the talk show host would know what the caller was calling in about. Hmm. So I was taking the calls, listening to the talk show host and all the stuff simultaneously. It was pretty interesting. So I got into radio, uh, because there's a radio, there's a public radio show called the writer's almanac hosted by Garrison Keeler. I don't know if down in, in Georgia, you guys know Garrison Keeler as well as we do up in Minnesota. Are you familiar with him? I know the name. I, I'm pretty sure that my dad had me listen to some of his shows many years ago, but I can't remember. Yeah, for sure. he, his most his most famous thing he does is called a Prairie Home Companion. Oh yes, okay, yes. I know the guy. Um, so he's very famous in Minnesota because he's based here, and his show is about Minnesota to a certain extent. Um, but he has a, another show called The Writer's Almanac, which he does for five minutes, and it's broadcast on public radio stations all around the country where he basically says, you know, today is whatever date, and these are some things that happened on this day in history, and these are some people who were born on this day, and here's, you know, like a, some interesting facts about those historical events and or people. And then he reads a poem. And so I got a job writing the scripts for that show about the historical events and the the people. No way. That is so cool. Yeah, it was actually a really cool job. And I did it for, I did it as a freelancer for about two and a half years. And then I became the producer slash writer um, after several producers uh, who were my bosses quit um, because it was a pretty high stress job because you were writing, you know, like a a week's worth of scripts every week and then just handing it over over to him to read into the microphone. And if he didn't like what you wrote, he was not uh, afraid of telling you that it was terrible. So oh, yeah. uh, I did that for about five years. And then I switched over to another show called Speaking of Faith, which is has recently changed its name to On Being with Krista Tippett, which is a show, another public radio show about religion and ethics and um, philosophy. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then I took a job at this college where I teach now. 
did you mention before what you're teaching? I teach writing. I teach um, basically the most basic level of composition to students, most of whom are either coming back to school after having been in the workforce for like 10 years, or some of my students are non-native English speakers. And then some are students from high school, but most of those are like students who are learning disabled. So Mm. I'm basically teaching people how to write who don't really know how to write at all. And how are you teaching people to write these days uh, with pen and pencil or primarily with a keyboard and mouse? No, I, I believe strongly that in order to write, you have to know how to use a computer in this day and age. So I teach all of my writing classes in computer uh, labs and uh, they're typing everything. So, yeah. Have the students asked for any advice concerning what kind of computers they should pick up for the purpose of writing? Uh, I'm just curious if that kind of subject has come up. Not really. I mean, occasionally a student will ask me, um, you know, could I, could I use an iPad for this? Or um, could I use a, you know, like one of these tablets or something? Or the, I remember a student came in with a Kindle Fire and he was asking me for advice about how to use his Kindle Fire. Um, but for the most part, I mean, most of my students are low income. And so a lot of them just get by using the computers in the school library or the school computer lab. A few years ago, when uh, I guess it was the first generation iPad came out, I I actually considered very seriously using one full time for all of my basic needs, uh, not having a MacBook or desktop computer of any kind. But professionally, at the time, I was still in video production, so I was using uh, motion graphics very heavily. I could not have possibly made those videos with a, an iPad. That was the death of a vision, but I got one anyway, just for the e-reading. It was a friend of mine on the web and that had produced a very good video where he showed the Kindle and the iPad side by side, uh, using them for eBooks and how to make your way through the Kindle store, download one and get reading, then how to save your own notes and so forth. And he just walked through the process very, very straightforwardly. And it was so helpful that I realized how a tablet device, an e-reader could change your life if you were willing to basically commit to it, move away from physical copies of books. I have maybe a hundred books up on my bookcase here to my left. Most of these are more than 10 years old because I'm not adding to the collection. I'm primarily buying a, a book here and there through the Nook store, the Kindle store, or iBooks. I'm preferring it this way. I think something that we've touched upon a few times that interests me is that sometimes we let the technology get in the way because you were talking about how you're presenting your slides, Rob, Mm -hmm. and students sometimes don't know what to do with an illustration because they're looking for something uh, like old school where you would present the bullet points. So when you, when you throw them for a loop with a good illustration, it's like, the, the technology and where, where you're going with it is getting in the way because they stopped paying attention to how you're teaching them and you're communicating ideas about what you're saying. And the, there is a connection between what you're saying and what is shown on the projector screen. The tools, the software, and the machines get in the way of what we're trying to share with each other. And it takes a lot of practice as everyday people to get past what, we, what is distracting us about the technology. And that happens a lot when you're introducing technologies to people in a way that they haven't seen them regularly used for before, like, like you did in the case, you're doing them a favor 
but they they haven't encountered it enough to grow used to this this new application of the software and the technology in front of them in the classroom because they don't have a point of reference they're distracted by what are you doing with that remote and what are you doing up on uh, up at the stage and what are you presenting to us what how did you do that where did that picture come from is that a powerpoint where i would say that that moment is actually a valuable moment for them where they're they're sort of shaken out of their tr- like the way they expected class to go was a bunch of words are on the screen and their job is to write down the words. And when I throw something up on the screen that they don't expect, I don't see that as getting in the way. I see that as sort of shaking them out of their kind of, uh, you know, traditional model of what education is. And the traditional model of education is information transfer. I have information in my brain and I'm going to stick it in your brain. And the way that that's going to work is by you writing down my ideas. And what I'm trying to do is to get them to realize that uh, real education is, um, there's a theory of education called the constructivist model of education, which is that you and I together are going to construct ideas by interacting with each other. And uh, it's not that I have information that I'm going to plug into your brain. It's that we are going to interact and build ideas together through that interaction. And so I, I wouldn't see it as getting in the way. I would see it as waking them up. And you're doing that with your podcast. I see that the anxious machine is helping people by telling people stories. You're walking through them through not so, only something that's interesting and entertaining, but also insightful. And, and you're really accomplishing something there. I, I'm going through that experience with your show. I can see how that's an outwork of your teaching style. That's good. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. Oh, thank you. It's interesting. I'm really fascinated by just the idea of stories um, because I think I think so much technology coverage is about the things. You know what are what are the things? How do we use the things? Uh, how, how is the thing designed? Um, what's the purpose of the thing? You know all this stuff about the thing. Yeah. And to me, what's interesting is what happened to the person when they used the thing. You know, like what happened in their life because of the thing. And it, it, when I started my podcast, I thought I was onto something about that. And I'm more and more, I'm, I'm convinced that I am that, you know, we humans make things like that's one of the things that makes us human is that we make things. Other animals don't make things the way that we do. Right. Right. And those things affect us. And I'm really interested in that interaction between the things we make and the lives that we live. And, uh, and so getting people to tell stories about that is, it just seems much more interesting to me than to just talk about the things, you know, I like the interaction. And that's what we're here for. Right, Josh? Yeah. Sounds good. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, Joshua, you're such a good listener. (laughs) I was just, uh, reaching quickly to unmute. (laughs) Yes. 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 Uh, it's, it's, uh, an interesting, uh, perspective that I've, I've not really thought uh, too deeply about like how it impacts us on a individual kind of basis. Uh, kind of my, one of my fascinations uh, is just sort of how, you know, the things that we build, uh, I guess, impact from a macro perspective, how it's really changing the world, how the workforce is changing, how the economies are changing, you know, India and China coming on Africa soon and uh, soon enough with the internet and, and just really that, 
from a macro perspective, how all, you know, there's going to be some brilliant people in Africa that we don't know about right now. I mean, that are just, that have no access to, to, uh, to the internet, you know, in 10, 15 years, the whole world will be covered with the internet. So, so that, I guess that, that big macro perspective is, is kind of a, one thing I think about a lot. And, and I think the next 10, 15 years, and of course, beyond the world's just going to keep changing uh, big time. It's exciting, and I'm optimistic. I, I'm not uh, not pessimistic about it. I mean, it it's going to put a lot of pressure in the job market and that sort of thing. But 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 I think overall it will make life better for for everyone. That's actually something that I want to explore in my podcast. I this this most recent um, episode was the last episode of my first season, and one of the things that I want to do in the second season of my podcast is get a little bit more into combining the macro and the micro Mm -hmm. so to you know have do some research into the topic you know like this most recent episode i did was about email but i didn't really talk at all about the history of email or where email came from and i think it would be interesting on an episode like that to talk about you know what's what's the macro history of email and then also tell the story of the micro history of email in this one person's life Mm -hmm. so yeah that would be interesting very nice all right, guys, y'all ready to button this one up? Sure. Thanks, Rob. You were the greatest. I'm glad that you could be on episode one. Thank you. When everybody discovers the show, they're going to go check out episode one, and then they're going to discover you, check out your podcast, and stop listening to ours. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can always put the wrong URL in the sh- in the show notes, maybe. There we go, That's there we go Joshua. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. This is great. I'm glad that we could finally get this one started. And, you know, this is really just laying the groundwork. We weren't trying to talk too much about the present technology, current events. You know, we have some interesting products coming out in April. Joshua, you're getting a very cool phone soon, just around the corner. Something different from the rest of us, I think. And it'll be interesting to compare your phone, my phone. And it's not going to be your normal technology podcast where, you know, certain things happen and we all just talk about what the fruit company is up, up to. <laughs> Are we talking about the new windows uh, or the Microsoft DOS phone? You saw, you saw that video I shared, right? The one that was uh, on April 1st. Yeah. Yeah. On April fools. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see that product when it comes out through think geek. Someone should definitely write an app that would, they would emulate DOS on, you know, on the iPhone or Android or whatever and, and, and have some command line stuff on a touch touch screen. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, the app developers, uh, we're just the ideas guys, so they can listen to that, take that idea, run with it, make up the MS-DOS for the phone. Maybe kickstart that. (laughs) All right, so thank you guys. This completes episode one of Tectonic. Visit tectonic.fm slash podcast slash one for the show notes and links. If you want to connect with us, we are at tectonic.fm on Twitter. And send your feedback via email to hello at tectonic.fm. If you would like your topic to be discussed on the next episode, uh, we are going to have a friend of mine who works for Microsoft and join us and we can talk about his world over there. And so uh, write us your questions with hashtag AskTectonic in your message. And if the Tectonic podcast isn't already up on iTunes, it soon will be. You might be listening to this from an RSS feed or the website. So if you would please do us the favor, go over there, drop in a star rating. That would just be great. We'd love to have your honest to God opinion. Give us your written review as well because it helps others find the show and enjoy it as well. And remember that this episode is made possible by our sponsor, Thrasher Coffee. Enjoy their coffee beans and let them know that we sent you. 
And if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, send an email to joe at tectonic.fm. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening. And thank you, guys. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and this is not this is not going to be in the podcast. Right? <laughs> no, this is not in the after dark. Yeah, she brings it up occasionally and laughs at me. W- would you <laughs> so. be willing to talk about that on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, maybe if you protect no. my name. Uh, my name's Joe. <laughs> <laughs>